There's an old Hasidic story, a tale from the Jewish mystics. You may know. It's about an old rabbi one night who has a vision, is provided a vision of heaven and hell. The guide shows him hell. He enters a room, just looks like a normal room, and in the middle of that room there's a big pot of really beautiful, wondrous, rich-smelling soup, something cooking. And around that boiling pot are people who are sitting there, miserable, sad, looking malnourished. The issue, as the rabbi sees it, is that the only way they can dip into this boiling pot and get what they need to eat are these very, very long spoons that can only be grasped at the very end handle. And they cannot or have not learned how to negotiate dipping in the spoon and turning it around back to their mouths so they can be fed. And so they sit there in misery and despair. And then the guy says to the old rabbi, and now I will show you heaven. Same room, same boiling pot, same fragrant, wonderful smell. Except in this room, everyone is overjoyed and happy and talking and well-fed and nourished. The rabbi sees the difference. And the guide says to the rabbi, you see, they have learned to feed each other. That's what today's movie is all about. The first spirit flicks of the summer. My excuse to go to the movies by myself in the middle of the week. <laughs> all summer long. Nice gig if you can get it, right? Nice work if you can get it. Now, I always like to start this out with the true popcorn movie. And sometimes those, you know, big summer smash blockbusters are disappointing and sometimes are really good. I enjoyed very much Marvel's The Avengers. I don't know if you've seen it. I recommend it. The plot almost doesn't quite matter. It basically involves this. A guy named Loki who is the half or stepbrother of Thor and he's really annoyed, really pissed off because he's kind of gotten like disinherited from the rest of the family and he comes to Earth to take this thing called a Tesseract which is a form of uh, unlimited clean energy resource. You got all that? Don't worry about it if you don't. That's the point. He wants it. He wants this energy resource and what he also wants to do because he is so injured within himself because he is so incapable of relating to other people in a healthy way, which is to say mutually, he only knows power over them. And so his goal for the world, once he has this tesseract and its ability to open up to a universe far beyond and bring in all these big, giant, scaly lizards with a lot of metallic shields, it appears, he wants to take over the entire world and rule them all. He's jealous. He is cast out or feels cast out. And only knows power by ruling over other people. And enter, dun 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 dun, the Avengers. Now, I didn't actually grow up reading too many of the Marvel comics, but these are all Marvel comic superheroes. And in the Marvel comic series, this is what is known as a team up. In comics, it is about a threat so big that it requires not just one set of superhero hands, but many superhero hands to come together and face that threat. Now, you would think this many superheroes, including Thor, who, like Loki, is a demigod, would have no problem whatsoever with dispatching someone like them because there's so many more of them. But that is not the case. 
Because just as Loki is struggling with his own sense of ego and what he wants to control, all these superheroes here are doing the same thing. They are self-obsessed. They are vain. They don't play well with each other. And they think more than anything else, they can do it all by themselves. All by themselves. At one point, someone says, we need a plan. We need a coordinated plan of attack. And their only plan is to attack without any thinking Asking questions is the smart way to do it. And so really the first third, almost the first half of the movie is this. It is a series of unstoppable forces meeting immovable objects with predictable results. (laughs) Nothing changes. Ego battling ego. It made me think of Sharon and Michael, would you stand for this and kind of face each other? I'm a big Dr. Seuss fan. Um, And any of you remember the Sneetches? Thank you. Don't look at me. And you're not happy in this scenario, so get the giggles out now. (laughs) Remember the north-going Zacks and the south-going Zacks who were stuck in their tracks? I don't know which way either of you is facing, but one of you is north and the other of you is south. And they are headed along their trajectory until they reach each other one day. And they basically said, I will move if you will move. Mm -mm. You move first. And they stand there, and they stand there, and they stand there. Yeah, that's right. One of you is stubborn. The other of you is really ready to really want to compromise, right? The north going Zacks and the south going Zacks, they stuck in their tracks as a whole city builds up around them because they cannot understand. They can each get what they want if they'll just do this and continue on their way. Thank you, Sharon and Michael. And as this misery on screen continues and the entire future of the earth is imperiled because of these superheroes who cannot coordinate together, Loki, the villain in this story, taunts the mere mortal human, Samuel Jackson, who is really actually not a mere mortal human in real life, I think. (laughs) He's too cool for that. But Loki taunts Samuel Jackson's character by saying, You call on such lost creatures to defend you. And you know what? He is absolutely right. Such lost creatures with such incredible strength, and yet they cannot do anything because they refuse to do it together. They think they can all have their own individual way, and it just brings more chaos. And at one point, the Samuel Jackson character says it this way, I brought together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more and it appears at first that they cannot because they are all so set in their ways of I will do it my way and not connect with you and really what they have to learn that old great old saying by Ben Franklin we must all learn to hang together or certainly we will Hang separately. It's another old saying that I love that says, if we want to go faster, choose to go alone. But if you want to go farther, go with others. That is their temptation to say, I am the fastest. I am the strongest. No one is as smart as me. I will do it on my own, but that does not work. The redemption comes in recognizing that they can go farther together. 
The whole in this becomes greater than the sum of his parts. There's a great little poem by Rumi that talks about, you know, when pen is put to paper, something magical can happen. The whole greater than the sum of the parts, as we would understand it now, that when you have just a floor and some separate walls, isolated, individual, they don't add up to much, but put together They become a home and a shelter. I heard a great example of this the other day. A friend of mine, a friend in ministry, she said that someone described her marriage, her significant relationship, telling them why they thought they worked so well together as a couple by this way. The friend said, you are the kite and your spouse is the string. And together you fly. All great relationships work on this principle. It's not that the string doesn't matter on its own. It's not that the kite doesn't matter on its own. But when these things come together, something new is created. This is, in this movie, a critical question, not just for the movie. How will they actually work together? How will they actually connect? How will they fly? How will they save the earth? But this is where the critical question of this movie matters a great deal to us who are not superheroes who do not live in the fantastical world of Marvel Comics. What purposes are our gifts, I mean our gifts, your gifts, my gifts, all of our gifts, really for? What does it mean to be truly gifted? That's the message of this movie. And it's kind of countercultural, especially to the way a lot of our world is recognized and organized. Because at first they start out saying, my gifts are just my gifts. And if I exercise my gifts as well as I can, regardless of anyone else... Everything will be fine. But it's not. At first they start start out saying, the more gifted I am, the more set apart I am. But the message of the movie becomes the more gifted they are, the more they need each other. To really unlock the potential of their gifts and to create something real. What are our gifts for? Especially in a society that loves... Fame and celebrity and lifting certain people up onto pedestals, sometimes to the detriment of all the other people who made their success possible. I heard a friend of mine really struggling with this on Facebook. She's a friend of mine I went to Yale Div with, and she's now an Episcopal priest. And she put at this graduation time of the year, this end of the school time of the year, she put this up onto her Facebook page. She said, I'm so proud of my guys. She's talking about her two sons. I think they're eight and ten. So proud of my guys for a great school year and for John's awards in science and in social studies. I find awards day bittersweet, though. And my heart is full for all those kids who feel bad because they don't get awards and or they don't have a family willing and able to cheer them on and encourage them along the way. So I'm learning to practice celebration with those who rejoice and have empathy with those who grieve and remembering that mostly we don't, quote unquote, deserve what we get in this life for good or for ill. Now, what came after this discussion was some of her friends. Other parents, really interesting discussion for me to witness as a non-parent because some friends said, well, you know, it's all right to give awards and other kids have to recognize that there are different levels of gifts in life. And so it was a really civil discussion. I know sometimes these discussions are not so civil amongst parents. (laughs) So it was really great to see them do it. And, And I hear that other voice that says, you know what, it's nothing wrong with giving awards to different people based upon different gifts and different merits. So it's an old episode of The Simpsons I really love in which uh, Principal Seymour Skinner, who's a total sad sack, has really stepped in it. And he has been completely shorn of his ability to have any authority whatsoever. 
because he gave awards to the wrong people for the wrong purposes. And finally, he's so beaten down by this desire to make everything absolutely the same that he says, I don't have any opinions anymore. All I know is that no one is better than anyone else and everyone is the best at everything. (laughs) Now, that is not an accurate representation of reality. But there's a third real question here. Beyond awards or beyond no awards, which is how do our gifts really come alive? What are we giving awards for simply because of individual merits or because our gifts might help us connect? There was a recent um, article in Forbes magazine that made the rounds a lot on Facebook and online, and you may have seen it. It was titled this, Intelligence is Overrated. What you really need to succeed. And it said that a lot of studies have showed IQ, simple number IQ, intelligence quotient, is by far not the most determining thing for your success. More important are emotional intelligence, which is your awareness of your own internal state and feelings and your awareness to manage them and your ability to be aware of other people's emotional states and feelings. Moral intelligence, how we treat each other with kindness. Do we lie or do we have integrity? And also an interesting one that I found, what the authors called bodily intelligence. How do we take care of this vessel Do we pay attention to what our body is calling us? They said these factors are more important, emotional intelligence, moral intelligence, bodily intelligence, than simple IQ. The thing that these three times of intelligence have in common is they are all about connection. Connecting to that deep life inside of ourselves, connecting to other people's lives outside of ourselves, And what it really comes around to is that this is how our gifts thrive. Our gifts thrive in connection, deep connection with our lives and other people's lives. The ability to relate well, the ability to play well, the ability to care for. How connected are we to what's going on inside of us and what is going on around us? That matters. Be able to see the relationship between things matters. There's a man named Chugyung Trungpa that some of you may know. He was a Tibetan teacher who was the founder of the Shambhala lineage in America. And he liked to do a little exercise and ask people, what do they see up here? Wrong. (laughs) What? No. Bird is closer. Okay, you're all just going to keep getting it wrong. And it's not wrong. He said it's not a bird. It's a bird flying in the sky. See, we focus just on the individual thing is what he was saying. It's all right. We all get it wrong. But to learn to see the relationships in things, to learn to see the connections in things, that's a different way of seeing and a different way of perceiving. And this capacity for relationship, it is the entire pivot point that changes the movie. You see a character who totally looks up to the Avengers. He's one of these regular old humans who just lives to exist, to help them out and make sure they have everything that they need. No superhero powers. And when it looks like all the superheroes are going to fail, he goes up very foolishly and very bravely against Loki. 
with none of the vanity and none of the ego and none of the protection. And he dies. And that wakes these Avengers up. As one of the characters says, and you don't hear the end, and I love that you don't hear the end. I knew, actually, it wouldn't work bringing these Avengers together. I knew it wouldn't work until they had something and then a bomb goes off or something and you don't hear the rest of the sentence. And so we fill it in for ourselves. And I think it was until they had something to lose, until they had something to work for. But really, I think it's this that probably is the fill in the blank until they had something to care about that was bigger than just their own strength and just their own isolated gifts. When we recognize that something is at stake that is larger than us, that is also authentically a part of us, we know what purpose our gifts are for. Now, in this movie, it's the very fate of the planet that rests on the Avengers coming together. In most of our lives, that's not really what we face every day, at least not in the sense of this movie. And this movie makes sense of a book I read a number of years ago called War is a Force for Meaning. I don't know if any of you have read that. It's by a guy named Chris Hedges. And you would think from the title of the book, it's actually praising war. But Chris Hedges is a journalist who has been in some of the worst places in the world in the last two decades. And he's trying to make sense of the human misery that is caused by war. He's not a pacifist, but he is deeply anti-war. And he recognizes that war, because the myths of war and the reasons that people believe that war gives them for living and also dying, that war can be a force for meaning. And at the same time, he encourages us to look for some other way to connect to meaning in this life beyond destruction, beyond killing. For William James, the great philosopher, called the moral equivalent of war. Not to have to wait to the point where everything, perhaps our own very lives, are impediled, but to wake up right here and right now. So this movie is Marvel's The Avengers. If we were superheroes, and if you think you are already, well, let's talk, and maybe I'm misjudging you. (laughs) You have to tell me where you hide your cape. If we considered ourselves superheroes, what would our team up be for? What threatens our world, our lives, our sense of meaning? As I perceive it, it is exactly what the superheroes in this movie cannot do at first. It is the increasing inability of so many people in our world to connect meaningfully. To go beyond the superficial, to go beyond the persona, to go beyond simply giving the illusion that we are living an okay life. The loneliness that comes with that, the alienation that comes with that, the despair comes with that, the addictions that come with that, the unhealthy relationships that come with that. When we commit to connect, we change. We are changed. I heard this just the other day. Maybe some of you also heard this. There was this unbelievably hate-filled sermon that was given in North Carolina in the time leading up to just before the state of North Carolina voted to strip all same-sex couples of any legal rights in their state constitution. 
There was a pastor who gave a sermon, a message, a message of hate, in which he said we should round up all those gays and lesbians, as he said somehow, and put them in a pen where eventually they would die off. And this is one of the most hate-filled things I have ever heard. And then later that week, I heard the voice, a different voice, from a North Carolina friend of mine who is a very committed, born-again Christian. She and I don't agree on much. But I took a lot of heart when she said this. Here's an idea. Let's love gay people like Christ loves us instead of picking on them. One voice that wants to say segregate out, put the people we don't like over here. And the other voice that says, I am called to connect. We might be called by some different names here at Wellsprings, but the end point is the same. We are called to connect. This is the profound basis of all mature spirituality. A connected spirituality. A connected spirituality that every day chooses love over fear. That chooses unity over disunity. That chooses connection over alienation. And what I'd say is if we want to make this form of connection real, it starts here and right now. It means recognizing that we share this life with all these other people. And I would say here right now, it starts a coffee hour, folks. <laughs> it starts with making the radical choice that fewer and fewer people are making. But we saw people make today here. It begins with the critical choice, even the countercultural choice to connect and recognize that our gifts are completed and grown and matured. When we choose to be in relationship. Indeed, this is where Loki, the villain's great taunt, is important. You call on such lost creatures to defend you. When we refuse to connect, we are not lost in the sense of otherworldliness. We are lost in the sense of right here and right now. But here's what I do believe as well. That as they said in the movie... We are all remarkable people. We are all remarkable people who can, if we choose to connect, become something more. And we can find the heaven that is here because we will know what it's like to feed each other. So today, may you be fed and may you feed and may you connect. Amen. And may you live in blessing. Let's pray together. O great and deep divine that issues the call resounding in all of our lives and words and beyond words to connect. To recognize that there is within us rolling, sometimes trickling, sometimes raging. A deep river, a deep well of desire to be in healthy relationship. May we honor that today. May we allow other people to look into our eyes and allow ourselves to be seen. And may we make that same commitment to see other people's lives and not just headstrong 
so fast, head to the next moment. We'll catch ourselves doing this today. We'll find ourselves putting out ourselves out in front of ourselves. And may we in that moment call us back and say, what's here and who am I and how can my gifts help? And how can I and how can we choose to connect? This cannot be done theoretically. This is done here. This is done now. And may we do so. Amen.